There's a lot of different kinds of moms in the room, right? A lot of different circumstances that bring us into mothering. And so we just want to say happy Mother's Day to you. So I, just because I can, want to share my Mother's Day gift. I'm calling it my Mother's Day gift. But if you haven't heard, I'm a mom. And if you haven't heard, I'm going to be getting a daughter-in-law. Yes. This is our oldest son, Derek. And he proposed a week ago Friday. And that is my beautiful future daughter-in-law, Maya. She's already calling herself part of Team Me Show. She's winning my heart every day. So that is one of my gifts this Mother's Day. But how many like gifts? How many like gifts? Anybody? Right. Thank you. Mom, man, woman, child. We like gifts, right? How many like giving gifts as much as receiving them? Right? The particip- Yes, I agree. The anticipation, the picking the gift out, and the anticipation of seeing the look on your child's face or whoever you're giving the gift to, your spouse, your friend, like the countdown. It's just so much fun. I think about how many gifts we give in our journey of mothering as mothers, speaking specifically to mothers, right? Often we are at the tip of the spear of planning holidays and birthdays and all of those milestones that happen. The gifts that we give our children are, it's just so many opportunities, which is really fun. Think for a minute, mom, some some of your favorite gift giving have been to your kids. I was thinking about this as we talk about the gifts that we give our children tonight. I was thinking about this week, some of this, I was just reminiscing. So fun. I remember, I remember being really excited to give my kids a wee. They had assured me we were the last people in the continental United States to get one. So that was not great, but I was excited to give that to them. I used to do, when their kids were young, I used to do a lot of scavenger hunts with the birthday parties. And so I have a distinct memory of giving Ethan his first, it was like a full-size basketball hoop. He was probably turning like seven. And we lived over in Port Warwick, and they have all those statues and art. And I did this really cool scavenger hunt that landed him with this big basketball. He was so excited and cute. And I know, I was all being, okay, reminisce, moms. My favorite gifts have been experiences. I don't know if if you've done those. If you have littles, note to self, your favorite gifts will definitely be experiences. Um, We planned experiences when our kids turned 13, when they turned 16. And I remember when Claire turned 13, I took her to New York City. And, you know, we did three days there. And we saw Wicked, the Broadway show. And we... um, rented bikes and went through Central Park and we went to the Today. I met Savannah and Hoda on the Today Show with Claire. (laughs) They talked to us and um, we just did all the things. The American Girl Doll Store and Times Square and Madame Trousseau, Museum, all the things, right? So experiences are so fun to give our kids. All of the gifts that I've given my kids, all of the gifts that each mom here will give your kids, I have realized that the greatest gift that I will ever give my children is the gift of me. The greatest gift I will ever give my children is the gift of me. And I've given them some pretty awesome gifts. Every mom here, I want you to hear this. If you hear nothing else tonight, the greatest gift that you will ever give your children at any age in every season is the gift of who you are. Your love, your support, your passions, I think of that book that we reference often by Eric Ries called SHAPE, using the word SHAPE as an acronym for those things that make you who you are, your spiritual gifts, the H is your heart, right? Those things that you're just naturally drawn to, your passions, abilities, 
We have different abilities here among the moms in the room. I know for me, I can make you a bang-in meal, but do not ask me to put together a dresser from Ikea. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. P is for personality and E is for life experiences. So just all of those things intertwine into the uniqueness of who you are. And it's that gift that's going to be the greatest gift that you ever give your children. And I want to remind us of that tonight, particularly those who are in the children being at home, younger children, raising children years, because we're so busy from the minute they hand us the baby <laughs> when we leave the hospital and the doing of children, right? Keeping them fed, keeping them bathed, keeping them alive, keeping them thriving, keeping them developing and growing and being nurtured all of the doing, it's often easy to forget that in the middle of all that doing, yes, it's important to teach your child to wipe themselves. It's a very important life skill. Yes, it's very important to teach your children life skills. But amidst all of that, the most important thing is the being of who you are in the middle of that. This is what I know to be true. What I do for my children changes over the course of their life. But who I am for my children only grows stronger and stronger. And so on this Mother's Day weekend, I want to share with us tonight personally for my own life about the gifts that I pray that I have given my children by my being. And some of these admittedly I have failed miserably at in some seasons and others I've done better at. But I want to share them with our City Life moms listening online here in the room tonight and in sharing them, I want to invite each mother to reflect personally on the gift that you are giving to your own children and family by who you are. Now, just so I don't lose everybody, if you are a dad, this actually applies to you too. So you're included. And if you're a young person, a young adult, a teenager, and you aspire to be lead a family someday, and, and the gift and the celebration and the beauty of that, this is for you as well. So this is my top 10 gifts list. This is a brain dump. Several weeks ago when I started preparing, I'm in a conversation with God. God, what do you want me to share with our moms at City Life to breathe life and hope and encouragement into their hearts? And so I haven't reprioritized. It's not prioritized. It's, it's, I, I didn't edit it. This is my Lord. Lord, what are the things when I think for myself, what are these gifts I believe I've given my children? I pray that I've given. Sometimes more successfully than others, sometimes more miserably than others. But these are the gifts and I want to share them with you because I want you to ask yourself, Mom, what are the gifts that I'm giving my children through the gift of me? Now, what's not on the list is the assumption that I'm a Jesus-loving daughter of the King and my life is under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, okay? So that's the umbrella over this gift list. But again, not in any priority, but the first one is I want to be crazy about their dad, I want to be crazy about their dad. Like he is the most exciting thing happening on the planet. I want to be crazy about their dad. And if you're not married to the father of your children, then you want to be crazy about the man that you're married to as a gift that you give your children. And if you are a single mom who, does, who isn't involved in a relationship and you don't have a life partner, can we just say we see you and the power of the Holy Spirit equips you and anoints you in a special way? And you need to be crazy about your heavenly father because he is going to walk hand in hand with you. And we are a church that are for you and we are also with you. But I don't want to not say be crazy about their dad because there are many of us married to the father of our children and this is an important thing 
to talk about and think about. And a gift that I believe we give our children, in my opinion, there's not a verse to back this up, I believe it's the greatest gift that I will ever give my children is being crazy about their father. Or if you're not, again, if you're married to someone else, the person that you're married to. I want to be a woman of my word. I want to be a mom who when I say something, I deliver. When I promise something, I execute. I don't want my words to be meaningful. Whether it's I'm, 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 I'm telling them that they're going to get a consequence or whether I'm promising them something for the future or whether I'm breathing encouragement into their lives. I want to be a woman of my word. I want to be a speaker of life, right? I want to use my voice to speak life. I get excited about that one because I feel like it makes us, it, it reminds us that we come from a God who is supernatural because through our words, particularly in our homes, as moms speak into the hearts of our children, we can actually create feelings that weren't otherwise there by the words that we speak. We can create through our words that we speak. So I know I wanna use my voice to speak life. I wanna be someone who's joyful. I believe moms set the tone of our homes in a unique way, dads do too. Everyone involved can bring it down. But moms have a special way of setting the tone of their home. And we, can, we have to choose, make a decision to choose joy. That book, um, I actually just spoke in February when I preached. I talked about this, but Rick Warren's wife, Kay Warren, wrote a book called Choose Joy, and she uses the analogy of a, tra a train track. And you're the driver of the train, and every day you get up, you see these two parallel tracks in front of your life, right? There's not been one season of my life where there's not a track of hardship and challenge and a track of beauty and blessing. I don't know about you. And it takes uh, intentionality, and it's a gift that I give my children when I choose to focus on joy and beauty amidst the hardship and chaos and crazy of life. Another gift that I pray I give my children is to be authentic. I want to be present. I want to be realistic. It's kind of a, maybe a weird one on my list, but I learned early on that disappointment is a result of unmet expectations. And if I struggle with high expectations, it was real gift I give my husband and my children to dial down my expectations and ground them in reality. So that's what I mean by being realistic. I'll tell you what, Pinterest, YouTube, Instagram, they paint a picture that's not realistic. Can anyone agree with that? Right? And often we take on things that we don't even, might not even realize how unrealistic our expectations are. And then if we have unmet expectations, we suffer with disappointment. Maybe we struggle with being discontent. These aren't virtues that God has for us, right? So being realistic helps me be content, helps me be happy with what is, helps me ground myself in the truth of what life is, and it's beautiful. It's a gift I give my children. I want to be virtuous. I want the 24 virtues of Jesus, which we teach and preach here at City Life, as part of our praxis model, a part of our discipleship model. If I have the 12 pathways, we call them pathways, not spiritual habits, although that's certainly what they are, but pathways refers to an adventurous journey that you're on, something that takes you somewhere. And those pathways that work in my life, an outflowing of that is that I begin to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And that adventure never stops. And those 24 virtues of, of being loving and gentle and humble and kind and content and all of these beautiful things. And you can grab this at the back of the room, by the way. It's online as well. But those 24 virtues, I want flowing out of my life. I want growing. How many know you can be a moral person you can, I would dare say you could even be a devoted follower of Jesus who has morality locked in, but you're not virtuous. And I know for me, I want to be virtuous. And then I want to be willing to change with the seasons. 
and I want to be able to see the individuality of each of my children. This is my brain dump. I had three kids in four years, so that last one, I found myself pack parenting. Just this is I'm sharing from my own motherhood journey. Three kids, are they all fed? Are they all bathed, right? Are they all clothed? Do they all get a nap, right? And I quickly began to learn that I was gonna have to bring intentionality as a gift to my children to see each one of them individually and begin to make, uh, see what lights them up and see what, what, what they get excited about and create an environment in our home that, that fed that, right? And that, that they could flourish. So if you have children close together, that's something that can take some effort and some work. So on this Mother's Day weekend, moms, what's your list? Not what are you doing for your children, what are you being for your children? Because what I can say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that the gift of you is the greatest gift you will ever give your children. Now, each one of those 10 could be a message in itself, but for the sake of time, I just want to highlight three of them that I felt like God just put a spotlight on when I was thinking and praying about this. And I feel like I just, I want to share it to bring courage to your heart and just to reflect because I believe that the three that I'm picking off my list apply to all moms who are Jesus followers, who are daughters of the King. The first one I want to revisit that is that first one, being crazy about their dad. We need to prioritize our relationship with our husband, particularly once we have children because there's nothing like the bond of a mother with a child, right? We all know that. When I birthed Derek, my first, I won't give you the birth details, although all the girlfriends here would like it, but we're in mixed company, so we won't. But I had an opportunity to shimmy up because he was actually in distress onto my elbows as I was giving birth, and I watched what happened and I, I tell you, I've literally, not everybody mother has this experience, but I felt like the whole world shifted in that moment. Like my heart changed in that moment. <laughs> I could not stop shaking. I was crying. I was like, a human being. Like, and all of a sudden, nothing mattered the same way. So when I fell in love with Fred, it was also incredibly earth-shatteringly amazing. But it's very different than having a child. It's a different kind of love. And so it's important that we think about being crazy about our spouse as something that we just don't take for granted the commitment that we've made to our husband. God teaches in the Bible there's a priority, right? A well-prioritized life. And that starts obviously with my relationship with God. But right next to that, or right rather under it, what comes next is my relationship with my husband. And how many know that we don't marry the institution of marriage? We marry a person. And I talk to a lot of young people who aren't married yet or who like want to be married, single people in our church. And, and I find I'm always often, often, not always, I'm often struck by how excited they are about the idea of marriage and I, want, I always want to say, hey, make sure you're really that stoked about the person that you marry. Because we don't marry an institution, right? We don't marry an idea. We, don't, we marry a person. And with that person comes, you know, passions and dreams and abilities, brokenness, baggage, and blind spots, right? We marry a person. And we have to work to be crazy about that person in every single season of our lives, 
Did you know that family in the Bible starts with marriage? Culturally, we say, I'm going to pick on Jamal and Madeline because she's expecting and so cute. Um, but we say, Jamal and Madeline are expecting a baby here in July. They're starting a family. And there's nothing wrong with us saying that. But it's very important as Jesus followers that we understand, no, actually, their family started in 2020, COVID crazy, when they made a vow of devotion to each other. Their, 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 their family started, biblically speaking, when, when, th when they became one, when they made a marriage vows. And now they're expanding their family. So the husband and wife relationship is a family. And it's not just semantics because it really reorients things, doesn't it? It's not just words. It really changes how we begin to see family and helps us to prioritize well. Being crazy about your husband is a gift that you'll give your children. I love this verse in Colossians 3, 3.14. It says, love which binds us all together. It says, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. I think about that when I think about a family. All the chaos, all the crazy. We had three kids, right? We have lots of commitments and lots of things happening, lots of things competing for limited resources in a family, but we clothe ourselves with love and it binds us together in perfect harmony. And there is a promise in this verse as we live a biblically prioritized life and are crazy about the person that God has given us to share our life with. John 15, 13 says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. The very front of the line of friends should be your spouse. And um, this is not typically what people think of when they're excited about getting married, right? We have the joy as pastors to meet with people and do pre-marriage sessions and just ask them some questions and give them some resources and come alongside of them. And I've yet to sit down with a couple holding hands and so excited about their big day that says, I cannot wait to lay aside my preferences and serve this person. I can't wait to put some of my dreams aside so I can see them thrive. That's often not what they lead with. They might be willing to do it. But this is what being married is biblically. It's a willingness to set our own preferences aside and learn who that person is and promote them, and celebrate them, and see them thrive. So I want to just give some really, really practical things. Um, be excited about your spouse. Like, it's not, this is free, and it's not rocket science, y'all. But you know how you get excited? I don't know. What do you get excited about? Maybe you're going go to go to a new movie, or maybe you got a new, get a new shirt. You hit a really good sale. I know. I know. You hit a really good sale, right? You go to make an Amazon return at Kohl's, and you see the clearance rack, and the Lord just, the Holy Spirit just falls, right? Something, you get excited, and you come home, and you show yourself, like, oh, I'm so excited. Look what I found. Do you ever exhibit that kind of excitement in front of your children about your spouse? Like, get really, really jazzed about them and become comfortable being excited about your spouse so that it becomes part of the culture of your home. It's really fun. It's really not so hard to do, but it's something that is a gift that you give your children. Another thing is to verbalize it in front of your kids. Verbalize your excitement about your husband in front of your children. Like, not in a weird, forced, weird way, okay? There's not a better word than weird. Just don't be weird. But, like, like talk about how awesome your husband is. I remember when my kids were little, little. Started at little, because I wanted this to be part of the culture of our family. Strap them all in their car seats. Sometimes we'd all be out running errands, and we'd swing by and pick up Fred and go grab lunch. 
And I would make it a point to say, while we're going driving to go get daddy, what's your favorite thing about daddy? I'm going to start because I'm going to, oh, I can't just pick one thing because there's so many. But today I'm going to tell you I'm so excited about, and then I would name something. All right. Derek, your turn. Okay, Ethan. All right, Claire. And then over lunch, hey, you guys, why don't you tell Daddy what we were saying? You were so excited about him. What's something you love about him? Talk about your spouse. And I would also just extra credit, if you can learn to talk about your spouse, complimentary, loving on them, being excited about them in front of family and friends, again, not in a way that makes people uncomfortable, but in a way that's genuine, authentic, powerful, powerful. Build up your husband as a hero in your family. Like, dad is the best X, Y, Z, right? Dad is the best fill in the blank. Like, that should be rolling off your tongue on the regular, right? Like, what would we do if dad didn't know how to, what did Fred do the other day? Oh, he picked the GFI circuit. Like, I wouldn't have power if daddy wasn't such an awesome, now, I don't have littles anymore, right? But like, dad is the best guy to make sure that I can blow dry my hair. Like, dad is the best whatever, pancake maker, jerry rigger, I don't know. Fred has like stuff in the garage, and stuff breaks, and then he just like goes out there. And then he comes back in. Sometimes he has a headlamp on, which depending on what, and he just like has, he just like fixes stuff, doesn't he, Claire? It's like crazy town. I'm like, what? Well, I just, I need to, I, I had an extra whatever, whatever. And that's why I don't touch stuff in the garage, because I would throw all that stuff out. I'm not allowed to touch it, but it's amazing. So, What is it that your husband is the best at, right? Have a couple of them in your back pocket and talk about them with your kids. Build them up as the hero. Another one is operate with united front. It's make the hard decisions, have those hard conversations behind closed doors, and present yourself to the world as a team. Anybody who knows Fred and I know that neither of us are quiet, neither of us are, hmm, well, I should say it the other way. We both have very strong opinions. We both have strong personalities. So we've learned from the time our kids were young, before before that, actually, we got this wisdom given to us when we were, before we were married. So even with our families, as we became a family and and made of, became, we were married, make a decision together behind closed doors, and then we present to the world a united front. I don't get to say, well, if it wasn't for Fred and his preference moms, that's why we're not going to come for Thanksgiving, right? I don't get to say that. I say, hey, this is what our family is going to do this year. This is, where, this is where we land on this. This is how we're going to proceed. And nobody has a right to know the background information of how we got there because we've covered each other and we have a united front. It is a gift you will give your life. It is a gift you will give your children. Demonstrate physical affection in front of your kids. This is harder for some people depending on your journey, your story, the family you were raised in. But I would say it's such a gift to give your kids that you just that you love their dad and it's okay to touch them and hug them and kiss them and nothing weird or sexual or uncomfortable, but just 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 affection, right? That's a beautiful gift that you give your children. And then intimacy, growing in intimacy. This is a challenge, I would say. Are you growing in intimacy? Because it helps you be excited about your spouse. If you just Google go home, you don't have to buy a book or anything, just Google intimacy wheel, and it just shows you all the different types of intimacy. And often married couples default to uh, physical intimacy, number one, woo-woo, and then maybe sex, um, spiritual intimacy if you're, bo- if you're both serving Jesus together. But then there's all these other types of intimacy. 
And you want to make sure that, that the things are popping on all those, right? There's, there's, there's a financial intimacy. Isn't that crazy? That's a thing. But making decisions together about your future, your finances, your retirement, your savings, your standard of living, what you're going to give, how you're going to be generous. That brings intimacy. There's, of course, emotional intimacy. There's recreational intimacy, like trying new things together, new experiences, learning things together. There's intellectual intimacy. When is the last time you had a, a meaningful conversation about something that possibly you disagree on and there's no pressure to have to agree, but you just have an intellectual conversation about something that you both might be excited about? Now, I do want to say, I wouldn't be a good pastor without saying it. This assumption here is that your marriage is, is doing well. Now, if you're here today and you're hearing me and you're rolling your eyes because your marriage is in a hard place, I see you. And we are a church that believes in resourcing people and the power of God to restore marriages in hard times. And so I just want you to know if you need help, we're here. This list is not assuming you're in that place, okay? We believe in therapy. We believe in resourcing. We believe in just walking with people through hard times because marriage is not always easy. But assuming your marriage is in a good place, these are beautiful things that will help you be crazy about the person that you're married and give a gift to your children that keeps on giving. So on this Mother's Day, give your children the gift of a mom who's crazy about their dad. The second one is be authentic. I want to hit on this one because although it seems obvious, like, uh, yeah, be authentic, I believe that this is a game changer. Someone who's authentic is someone who's real, right? Someone who's true. Someone whose values align with their behavior and what they believe. And how many know that most people, the longer I live, a lot of people aren't living that way. They're living duplicitously. They're living, behaving, and acting, and talking different depending on who they're with. And that's what I mean when I talk about being authentic. Your values, your ideals, and your actions align. And I believe that's one of the most powerful things that God does as we're his followers. If you find that those are misaligned, he begins as he walks with us and transforms us. He begins to help the parts of us that are misaligned come into alignment through the truth of his word. But I would say, again, just being completely authentic with you, then one of the number one comments I get personally is that people say, when, when they get to know me, not in the spotlight, not when I'm holding a mic here at 311 Selden Road on a Saturday, but just in my regular life, so many of you, friends outside of, outside of these walls, one of, they say, Vanessa, you're just so real. And although that's a beautiful compliment to me, it is a shame that someone would come into a church and feel like the people that they meet are going to be playing games and be different somewhere else. Does that, does it, do you hear me? That grieves my heart. So that's, I, I say thank you, but I say, wow, I want to be a part of a church that's full of people, that's authentic, right? That we're the real deal. Like what you see on Saturday night is what you see on Monday morning is what you see. But that takes work. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes a teachable heart. It takes you being courageous and honest about what your values and ideals are and making sure that they align with God's word. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Faithfully, the same everywhere you go. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. We're supposed to love in deed and word and truth and behavior, right? It's all supposed to be filled with love. It's all supposed to be authentic. 
James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Luke 8.17, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So if you struggle with this, and this can be a real struggle, you need to know that you're not tricking anybody. And God wants to shine shine light into those dark places. And he wants to help each one of us be the same person when we're in the presence of God, when we're in the presence of our family, when we're in the presence of our boss, when we're in the presence of our friends. Because there's nobody who's going to see through us quicker than who? Our kids. Our kids. Matthew 23, 27 and 28 says, Woe to you, beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones. And we live in a world where people are beautiful on the outside, but inside, right, there's death, there's ugly, there's brokenness. And that's what God comes to heal. That's what God offers each one of us. We have the ability to be the most genuine, authentic, real deal shmeel. That's what we call it at our house. Real deal shmeel people that walk the face of the earth. So let me give you some practicals. Ask yourself, are you truly who you represent yourself to be? Or have you built a public presentation of yourself that's not true? If you're not sure, ask your spouse. If you're not sure, ask your kids. Does mommy act different around different people? And then stop talking and then let them talk. Do you behave the same everywhere you go? Are you like extra smiley and kind at church and then you're a jerk when you go to work? Or you're like the impatient loser to the cashier at Target? Like, are you that person? Are you this, do you behave the same? Do you talk the same regardless of who you're speaking to? Or do you have a bag of vocabulary you pull out when you're, on, when you're out with your girlfriends, right? When you're on the phone with your mom. Because guess who's hearing you all the time? right? Your children. They see it. They know. Do your actions match your values? And what I mean by that is, do you, do you watch shows that match your values? Do you listen to music that matches your values? Do you act in a way that matches your value? Do your lifestyle choices match what you say? This is a gift that we give our children. How many, I, I, I don't, I don't want to be too direct, but I kind of do. Um, there's a lot of popular shows that are very funny. And I don't think, who cares what I think? I think you can watch them and <laughs> you're still a great person. But I found myself when my children were young, Fred too, in this together for sure, find myself watching some of these sitcoms and laughing at things that grieve God's heart. And I just knew I didn't want to be a mom who did that. So even though my kids made fun of us, and even though now they're in their early 20s and they've probably caught up on episodes of <clears throat> The Office or things like that, are they funny? They're, they're, they're hilarious. These shows are hilarious. But ask yourself, do I, I end up laughing at things that grieve God's heart? Do the things that I'm watching show, do they, do, are they, are they, are they, is it okay? Again, it's, you just want to think about these things as a gift you give to your children. Because you want to, you want to be able to say things to your children and you want them to not see through. You want them to see the real deal, right? Mom means what she says. She lives it out. She behaves in that way that's consistent. And then understand that you represent 
everywhere you go. We represent three. We talk about this in our parenting class. We represent ourselves. We represent our family. We represent God everywhere we go. Whether we believe it or not, that's who we represent. How many know that even a child, the Bible says, even a child is known by his doings. We all know a three-year-old that's a terror that you'd rather not go out to dinner with tonight, yes? So even a child is known by his doings. So each one of us, from this earliest age, we represent ourselves. And then from there, we represent our families. I remember being keenly aware of this after being married. I'd be out doing my thing and whatever, whatever, 24 years old. And all of a sudden, I realized I represent Fred everywhere I go in a beautiful way, in a good way. I need to conduct myself in a way. I need to answer this person in a way that would make him proud. I need to, it brought healthy boundaries to my life. And then, good, better, best, we represent God everywhere we go. And, and these aren't rules and legalism. No, this is like life-giving, emotionally healthy, beautiful boundaries it brings to our life. Everywhere I go, I represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You want boundaries in your life. You want a standard to shoot for you want something to be authentic about. You point people to Jesus when you understand that you represent everywhere you go and you have an opportunity to be authentic. And the third gift, as we wrap up here in just the next few minutes, that I want to highlight as it's incredibly pertinent in my own life and I'm learning in this one now in a very fresh way as I have ex am experiencing launching my kids, right, and moving towards empty nest, one of the books I'm reading, I'm reading all the Empty Nest books. They call it the Encore Season. Isn't that better than Empty Nest? Y'all, my nest is stinking empty, but we'll call it the Encore Season. Be willing to change with the seasons. Be willing to change with the seasons. And not just the big seasons like the one I'm talking about. It's a couple years season and it's this huge thing, right? There's all these micro seasons in raising our kids. And a wise woman virtuous woman understands being willing to change with the seasons. Season changes imply a holding on and a letting go, right? A holding on to something that's precious and a letting go of something that maybe we've held dear and needing the wisdom to know when and to know how. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there is an appointed time for everything and an appointed time for every event under heaven. And verse 6 in the Message Bible reads this way, a right time to hold on and a right time to let go. I always laugh. Um, anybody HGTV junkie? Anybody love HGTV? Is that like make me really old that I love it? Okay, I don't sit and watch HGTV. Okay, JT, I see you. I see that hand. Yes, friend. I know some of y'all are closet HGTV. Okay, did you know there's like one called, I love House Hunters and like, what's the one with Montana? I watched it when I had my knee surgery. I like binged every episode. I didn't even know it. Anyways, you know, Buying Alaska and all those ones, you know, people that like different parts of the country, there's one that's like Montana. I saw one today on, on, on Hulu. I was like, had it on and it said Selling Dubai. Don't you want to watch that? Wouldn't that be interesting? Anyways, okay. So I'm an HGTV junkie, and I don't necessarily sit and watch it, but I like put it on when I'm cleaning my house. I have a TV in my kitchen. I'll put it on when I'm cooking, you know, whatever. And I find those house hunter shows really fascinating. You learn about different parts of the world, different parts of the country. But I always laugh when they've got the young family who's buying the home with the young kids, because what does every young family with young kids want? What kind of floor plan? 
open concept, right? They want to have sight lines to their children to make sure they don't die and to keep them alive, right? And I always feel like the bitter, old, bitter older mother because I'm like, yeah, as soon as your kids get to be tweens, you're going to want some walls and some doors in that house. <laughs> so seasons change, right? I remember I need sight lines. Where are all my kids? What are they all doing? And then eventually, I, you know, once they're teenagers, it's like, I'd like some doors. I'd like some locks. I'd like a separate living room so I can watch HGTV and not have to watch ESPN for the next 10 years. So we were fortunate to buy a house right as our kids were going into those years and I was able to get some doors and walls. But seasons change. How many know that young children are early risers? Pretty much as a rule, right? How many know that teenagers are not? So seasons change. All you sleep-deprived moms, you'll be sleep-deprived in your teen years, but it's because you're going to bed late. You get to sleep in, but you're going to bed late. So a wise mom once told me, speaking of letting go, holding on, being flexible, she said, Vanessa, your teenagers are going to open up at night. When do teenagers let down their hair? When they get home from work, when they're done their sports commitments, when they finish binge writing that paper, right, and cramming for the test the next day at, you know, 1045, at 1120, when they go to raid the pantry, that's when your teenage boys are going to start talking. And she's like, you might, one of the best things I ever did was I changed my sleep schedule for the teen years. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Wisdom, done, done. So I didn't, you know, I didn't do that every day but I began to change my schedule in my teen years. Because sure enough, find my friends. Oh, Derek works till 10 o'clock tonight at Bass Pro Shop. Oh, I just happened to be disinfecting the counters at 10.22. Right? You want to connect with your 16-year-old, your 17-year-old? I just happened to pack my lunch at 11.03 at night because I had nothing better to do. Oh, we're in the kitchen. And guess what? You hear about their day. You chit-chat, you tell a joke, share a meme, talk about their world right? You're, 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 you're buying into their heart. These are examples of being changing with seasons. The value, you, you, you learn to hold on. The value is family. The value is I want a relationship with my child. So I'm going to get up at the butt crack of dawn to, when they're little. And then when they're older, I'm going to do the things that meet them there. So being flexible, knowing when to let go of some things. Every season has blessings. Every season has challenges. And I've certainly grown the most as I've learned to change with the seasons. And I want to invite the band to come back up. I want to tell moms, give yourself grace. Because as soon as you figure one season out, guess what? It what? Changes. You never get to be a season expert. That's what I've just recently realized. <laughs> you never get to be a season expert. So if you're waiting to be an expert in the season you're in, it's not going to happen. So just buckle up and hold on. And let the power of the Holy Spirit give you the rhythm for the season that you're in. Now, I hope that I'm going to young adult parent, maybe this season's, maybe I will be get to be an expert. Maybe you're in that season long enough, you get to be good at it. But then again, I think that the seasons your kids are in are going to change and what they need from you. So you're never a season expert. It's not very hopeful, is it? But you're never going to be a season expert. So don't wait. Let me give you some practicals. To give the gift of changing with the seasons, you want to say, am I being rigid on things I could be flexible on? Like, could I be flexible? If the answer is yes, you probably should be. It says, just wisdom. Are you saying no for your own convenience and not what's based, or excuse me, not based on what's best for your child? These two kind of combined here. I remember my mom, amazing woman of God. I love my mom. She's one of my best friends, but she wasn't super flexible. She'd get really 
annoyed with me when my, my middle school friends would change their plans and then I'd have to you know, go ask for permission and change my plans. It's kind of funny thinking about it now, but I really wanted to be a mom that was flexible. And I found myself not so flexible when my kids got to that age. And finally, Fred and I had this big day, I just remember. And, you know, and I knew I wanted to be. I'm like, man, it's really a pain to be flexible. <laughs> like, I'm a planner, and I have a routine, and I have rigid, and I have things. And Fred was like, how about, we, you know, talked about it. We were on the same page. But he's like, how about we be the parents that say yes whenever we possibly ever can? So that our no, they know we're on their team. So our no's are few and far between, and when we say them, they really matter. We say them unapologetically because there are lots of things we are going to say no about unapologetically. So let's say yes to the other things. Brilliant, right? Again, free. No one's charging you for this advice. I'm just saying. But I was like, yeah, that's the kind of parents I want to be. So I don't know that we did that flawlessly. Mom, can so-and-so come over, but they can't get a ride home, so you got to bring them home at 1230 tonight. I, could I say yes? I could. Did I want to go to bed at 11? I did. I said yes. Yeah, they can come over. Absolutely, I'll bring them home. Can, I, da, 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 da. can we make that happen? Yeah, we actually could make it happen. Okay, we're going to say yes. So that when they ask the thing that they can't, because it's morally wrong or it's a compromise or, or it's just, no, it's not an option, then it was heard with more grace. I believe that was a gift that we gave to our children, that I gave to my children. Am I elevating traditions and expectations above relationship? Knowing when to say if family's the value or if being together is the value, what it looks like is allowed to change. And giving my children the gift of that. So do I value time with them? Yes. Am I going to demand what, what worked when they were seven? No, I shouldn't be demanding that at 17. I shouldn't be demanding that as they go through life. So being a mom who's incredibly uh, keen with, again, with the voice of the Holy Spirit in our ears, willing to change with the season. So this Mother's Day, moms, give your children the gift of a mom who's willing to change with the seasons because you are the greatest gift that you will ever give your kids. Go ahead and stand where you are if you don't mind. I want to ask each mom here, what are those gifts that you're giving them through who you are? Again, as we celebrate Mother's Day this weekend, just carve out 10 or 15 minutes sometime over the course of this weekend and do a brain dump, do a list. You're going to be surprised by the beautiful gifts of who you are that you're giving to your children. And I believe by bringing some focus to it, some intentionality, by highlighting it tonight, ask God to breathe on that list. God, how can I, how can I, how can I improve on this list, Lord? What are your priorities on this list? What do you have to say about this list? God's going to talk to you. And in all of that is the very essence of what I'm trying to say, that just even that conversation, the gift of who you are, is the greatest gift so that you can be a blessing to your children. And it's, can I also state, anyone here who might feel like they're late to the party of raising kids, but here you find yourself, it is never too late. It is never too late, no matter how old your children are, to grow and develop who you are so you can be a gift to their life. Doesn't matter if your children are in their 60s. I'm telling you, there is something so powerful about the parent-child relationship ordained by God that you can, there's always hope that you can be a gift to their life. And it's never too late to begin to run after that. And as we close, I, I, I really was just praying about this closing moment. And I just want to shift gears slightly because I really felt like God wanted 
us to pray over our moms who are just, I felt like God was like, Vanessa, there's some moms that are going to be here tonight that are feeling very heavy. There's a heaviness that's come over you in your journey. Something that's just, as soon as I say it, you know it is a situation, it's a relationship, it's a financial predicament, it's a job thing, it's a kid thing, it's a husband thing, it's a life thing, it's a... And there's something that's just been weighing on you. I feel like there's some moms here that there's just some heaviness on you and it's starting to suck the life out of what should be joyful. And if you're honest, it's just too much. It's feeling like too much. And so I don't want to give too much clarity because I think each person has their own story. But I really wanted to close our service by inviting our moms who are dealing with that. With no, If you're just be courageous and join me because I'm here with you. Life right now in my house, in my life, is heavy. There's some heavy things. There's some really exciting things. There's some beautiful things. And there's some really heavy things. And I just feel like God wants to say, he wants to give rest to your soul. I was reminded of Matthew 27, right? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So if you're a mom here that would say, there's a heaviness on me, no explanation, no, no, no apologies, I just want to invite you to come down here. We're going to, everyone in this room is going to pray for you. And I don't think I'm alone here. So I'm just going to ask you to be courageous. There's something I'm dealing with that's heavy. It's starting to weigh me down. It's starting to change my reactions to things. It's changing my perspective to things. I feel like I'm not able to be who I'm supposed to be. I believe that God wants to give rest to our souls tonight as we're in his presence. So if you're here, I just, if you're in the sitting, if you're online, I just want to encourage you to do a physical response. If you're driving, it's okay. Drive with one hand. Put your hand in the air real quick. If you're in your living room, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, lift your hand for a moment as a sign of response. And if you're in the room, I just am going to invite you, if you feel comfortable, just to lift your hand, point it towards these courageous moms. And we're going to pray that God is going to lift heaviness in this moment. Father, we just thank you for each mother here. God, we've already said you intimately know the story and journey of each woman here. And God, I pray for these courageous, amazing friends of mine, women of God, daughters of the King, Father, for the hardships of life that can sometimes feel like too much. Father, I pray right now that supernaturally you are going to lift heaviness off of the shoulders of these mothers. Lord, whatever that situation or circumstance is, we just hold it out to you. We put our hands forward and we say, God, here it is. You have it. These are your children. This is your purpose I submit to. This is your burden to carry, God. You are the solution. And we invite you to be just that. We invite you to have your way. We invite you to be the solution on those things that we just can't ever seem to fix, those things that seem impossible, those things that seem like they're going to weigh us down, possibly even drown us at times. God, we lay those things at you, the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ, and we invite you to have your ultimate way. And God, I pray for each mother here that she is going to walk out of this place tonight with a rejuvenated spirit, 
with a lightness in her step, not because anything physically happened, but because she has placed her eyes on you. She has come to you weary and burdened, and you have provided rest for her soul. So God, whatever answer each woman here needs, I pray you would answer. And most of all, Father, I pray that we would take those heavy things that we're never meant to carry, we're never meant to shoulder, and we would lay them before you. That we would be able to run into our tomorrow, run back to our families, lead our children, partner with our spouse, be a change maker and an impact on our in our workplaces, Father. That we could be women of God who know your voice, Father, who lay those things at your feet, who trust you, so that at the end of our days, we can say with confidence that the gift of who we are because of Jesus working in us and through us is the greatest gift that we've been able to give our children and that we would forever and always be able to be a blessing to them. So Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit at work in each life, in each mother, in each father, in each young person here. We thank you and praise you for rest for our souls that only you can provide. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.